0: Fanfic Writer's Craft is a podcast that discusses all things fanfiction with a focus on the art and science of writing for the enjoyment of fan communities. My name is Jo, aka PubliSand, Sand, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. My co-host, Lani, writes online under the name Copperdust, Dust. You'll meet her shortly. In this episode, we embark on an exploration of the intricate relationship between fanfic writers and their audience. We talk about navigating strategies for audience growth, empathizing niche awareness, participation in fests, and the leveraging of social media. We delve into the importance of engagement, sharing tips on responding to comments, and maintaining authenticity. We discuss our perspectives on the right for yourself advice, acknowledging the motivational impact of audience feedback, and touch on the evolving culture of fandom over the past decade. Lastly, we explore the delicate topic of responding adequately to criticism and hate. We hope you enjoy, but for now, buckle up, get yourself a nice cup of tea, and welcome to the Fanfic Writer's Craft. Welcome to the Fanfic Writers' Craft. This is Joe. I hope you're all doing well. Uh, Lani and I are back. It is 2024. Happy New Year! How are you, Lani? How's things?
1: Um, a little bit shocked that I'll be entering my fourth decade that I'm in now. But yeah, I'm um, <laughs> going back to work tomorrow, so not tremendously excited about that. But I'm grateful that i have a job
0: true true in this economy <laughs> in in all of the economies yeah um no yeah i um i went back to france for christmas and i am back in ireland now um i started to work again last week so i don't at least that's gone through like that's happened and I can just mm-hmm. uh, now I'm, at, I'm back at work but yeah I'm going I'm going away in a couple of weeks I'm going skiing so it's not too long until I have more holidays um but yeah so in today's episode uh we're going to dive into the sort of relationship between uh fanfic writers and their audience and kind of exploring the community levels of engagement and collaboration and all the sort of audience buildings that fanfic authors uh, engage in. And I think it's an, like for me, it's an episode that I've been wanting to do for a very long time because I think I have a lot of thoughts on this, uh, which is uh, bizarre, but I think mm-hmm. I think it's going to be interesting. Um, so is, I think the first question that we can ask is, is there anything specific about the way that fanfic authors engage with their audiences and is there something specific to fanfic in terms of the relationship between a writer and an audience because i personally think it's very very different from the kind of relationship that you might have with your audience writing original fiction and i was wondering like what are your thoughts on this
1: yeah i agree that it's completely different and i mean i think the main key point here is that because there's no gatekeeping structure um you know, anybody can become a writer and certainly anyone can become an audience member and a lot of people play both roles. Um, There also tends to be, you know, few fans for a work. So there can be more individual communication between the writer and the person reading their work. So I, I do think it's completely different. And of course, I mean, we do have to mention that Fanfic writers are not making money off what they're doing. So they typically have another job or a job or sometimes they're in high school or whatever. So, you know, you're often hearing about their life outside of the writing that they do in a way that's different for, you know, like a, if you're a Stephen King fan, let's say. Yeah,
0: I definitely agree. And I think there's something about fanfic that's very community based as well you know a lot of you know there's there's online communities for certain fandoms and there's something there's something of sharing that is more than just you know the author kind of writing and you consuming that media there's a lot more exchange I think between an author and their audiences and I think that's even true for bigger authors like when you think of like the most popular fanfics on io3 and stuff I think even for them you know they'll have a tumblr and they'll be writing posts and sometimes they'll be answering anons and stuff, which is a lot more accessible than, you know, maybe going to a, I don't know, talk with your favorite mm-hmm. author where you can has ask like one question and that's it. You know, I think, I think even for bigger authors, there's something even more than that in terms of, in terms of engagement, in terms of community engagement.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I think also, I do want to point out, I do, I, I want to play, uh- the opposite side a little bit that there are some traditional authors who are known for being really willing to engage with their audience. Um, I'm thinking, for example, of Mary Renault, who is now dead, so definitely not engaging with her audience anymore. But um, when she was writing, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, there's quite a few people who are now authors and journalists who have written about how when they were like teenagers and they would write her fan letters, like she would respond to them, and they would build up a correspondence. Mm. You know, there's a couple, there's a couple of writers who are kind of known for doing this. And even, you know, some artists, not necessarily writers, choose to sort of step away from the fan community, and just be like, Oh, I make whatever I make, and I don't get involved with the audience. And other artists, part of their art is the engagement with the fans. So I'm thinking, for example, how like with Taylor Swift, she doesn't just like make the art and step away. Mm -hmm. You know, she enjoys like planting the Easter egg hunts and like encouraging fans to look for clues and like leaving encrypted messages, which she knows people are going to sort of uncover gradually. So, you know, she's somebody who part of her art is like the way she engages with with fans.
0: Yeah, I think another another person who's, kind of different but who engages a lot I see with like his community is Neil Neil Gaiman Mm -hmm. who is on Tumblr all the time like I don't know how he has time for it uh but he's answering Annan's like all the time and I think it's quite charming to be willing to do that but i do think it's kind of an outlier sort of situation especially because you know a lot of it's on the internet and a lot of people also choose to not be on the internet but i think yeah i think it it, it is some writers do do that and some artists do do that but i do think it's it it's maybe more rare in the realm of original fiction than it is in fan fiction um, so I think one of the kind of very first topics that I want to talk about is what are your thoughts on building an audience and how do you grow it because I think that's like the biggest question that people have in fandom is how do I get people to look at my stuff how do I get people to read my stuff and and how do you build an audience
1: um I'm probably the wrong person to ask this question but I think that it's sort of like the more you put in the more you get out but there there's There's also an element of just luck and being in the Mm. right place at the right time that's kind of beyond your control. Um, I think that for me, I haven't been somebody who's as dedicated to building an audience as I am to just like building my stories and like whatever happens happens. I guess I use Tumblr a little bit more like a scrapbook or like a notepad for me to like compile some things that I'm going to use. But I do think that if you want to really build an audience, then, like, the more you make yourself available to interact with them, the more people are going to appreciate it. Um, And that means not just, like, answering comments, but it also means leaving comments on other people's work, you know, responding to other people, joining discords, uh, writing in response to prompts, participating in those, like, um, you know, those festivals where people leave a prompt and then you write it and then later your identity Mm. is revealed – um what do they call those again (laughs) See, i don't really do that stuff so i can't even remember what it's called but but, i see
0: what you mean yeah Yeah,
1: but you know they have those those fests where you're like giving a prompt giving giving people gifts um accepting audience suggestions like all of those things are like ways not only ways that a fan fiction writer builds an audience. But I mean, you can also see like influencers on social media, the way that they build their engagement by, for example, when they make a post, they ask a question of readers with the implication that you're going to leave a comment to answer, or they do giveaways and you have to, you know, tag your friends to enter the giveaway. I mean, like, it's a little more transparent when you see influencers do this, but it's it's functionally the same thing, right? Like, yeah. it's marketing. And it plays on the fact that um, people build parasocial relationships with artists that they're a fan of. And the more you sort of give in and build those parasocial relationships, the more devoted they'll be to coming, coming back for more, I think. If you have a small audience, those might not be parasocial relationships. Those might be actual relationships with people who actually know each other in a two-sided way. But as you build up, you know, a a readership, it can start moving towards parasocial. So like for you and me, because we're actually speaking to each other, I would call that not a parasocial relationship because I'm not like making up like a one-sided relationship with you. But for people who are like listening to this podcast regularly, but have not like spoken to us directly they and and for whom you know our voices have become like familiar voices and i have this with like my favorite podcast like that's the parasocial relationship
0: yeah i think
1: you're right and
0: it, it's very interesting i think that the phenomenon of parasocial relationships is very interesting it's funny you mentioned your uh, like influences and stuff because my uh one of my good friends is a quite well-known travel influ- influencer and she's told like she's told me a bunch of stuff and and it's true that like she was like I remember having this conversation with her where where she was writing captions like we'd been we'd been away and she was writing captions and she was like what do I ask as a question and I was like I don't know and she was like I need to ask a question because if you ask a question then people respond to it so I think that's
1: very true it's called Um, the call to action in in like social media marketing like when when the person is finished watching your video or reading your post like what do they have to do Do they have to click to subscribe do they have to comment do they have to answer the question
0: yeah I think um so for me I think one of the things I need to say like to state sort of outright is that I've never struggled to get eyes on my work and I know that's something that a lot of people struggle with and i I don't think it has. I mean, yes, sure. If your fic is like littered with grammar, grammatical mistakes, and it's unreadable, like physically unreadable, then you might have a problem getting eyes on your work. But generally speaking, I don't think it has a lot to do with talent. I think it's just, I think it it is luck and it depends on niches and on what you write and stuff. So I don't think just because you are struggling to build an audience doesn't mean that you're not talented. It can be just a lot of a combination of a lot of factors a lot of those being lock as well but i think yeah i think everything that you said helps for me like being in fests like um posting for fests has always helped especially if i was posting fix that i didn't think were going to be particularly of a a popular ship or something like i remember I posted my Demas fic um, for a fest and I think that did boost it a little bit more like it went a little bit outside of the core Demas fandom which is quite small Also as you said like posting on socials I see a lot of people getting kind of building an audience off of posting metas as well So if that's something that you're interesting and interested in, in terms of like analyzing whatever it is like is it is it a show is it a book or whatever it is that you are into I think that's very interesting like I have I know I have someone on Tumblr who does Peaky Blinders metas and I follow them just for that but I know they have like fix and stuff that a lot of people read and and they you know they that their audience kind of gravitates like that um connecting with all the other writers as you said through discord Tumblr and comments I think if you, if you want to build a community, it's also important to kind of invest yourself in the community. Now, if you don't care, like that's fine. But if you do want, you know, to build relationships and to, to build community around your work, it's also important to kind of return the favor and, and be, you know, interested in the works of other writers uh, that you might click with that might be writing the same sort, sort of things that you are. And yeah, I think... There's also, as I said, a luck factor, you know, factor of like, you don't really know what it is, but something picks up. And and that, unfortunately, you can't really predict, I don't think. But yeah, I think those those are good ways to start building an audience as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, and I would also add, firstly, it's probably the number one thing here is leave comments on other people's work. And like, I'm admitting that I don't always do that, because I'm not always like in that headspace of like looking to build an audience. But really, the number one thing that will make somebody want to read their work is if you leave a long and detailed comment, because I mean, everybody's curious. And, you know, especially if you read works by looking at people who have like similar tags to the tags on your story, not maybe the biggest tags that Like, if your story is tagged, like, Ron and Hermione, like, that's 850 bajillion. But if you have, like, a more unique tag, then, you know, like, an AU with a specific type of setting, you might want to read, like, other people who have written that sort of thing. Um, Or, you know, communicate with people who have left comments on stories that you feel are similar to yours. Because those are the people who are most likely to enjoy your writing.
0: Yeah. And I think... (sighs) You know, I think I think the thing with leaving comments, I've noticed a difference, though. I I know that when I was in small fandoms, it was very easy to kind of connect with people through comments like it was very usual. Like I would have entire conversations in either my comment section or other people's comment section and just kind of you know, just leave a comment and then the author responds and you have a whole conversation with them. And that was very common. And that was a really massive way to build community and how like fandoms organized and stuff. Whereas I'm finding with HB, and I don't know that if this is your experience as well, that people leave one comment and then the author responds and that's kind of it. Like even if it's a long comment and even I, if I respond something you know if if someone leaves me a long comment and I respond with a long comment of my own, I never get a response back, which I'm not upset by. but I always found that intriguing and interesting compared to smaller fandoms where you would always start conversations in the comment section.
1: um I would say that I think people because h p is so huge, people typically think that if you're interested in a conversation, you go on one of the platforms that's for conversation. And that the comment section is just for comments. Whereas if you're in like a really small fandom, people are just so excited that they found someone alive who likes the same thing as them, that they don't care what platform it is. But it's like, yeah, there's people that I've like spoken to on discord. And then I've also read their stories and left a comment. But when it comes to a long conversation, I'll, you know, I'll go back to discord. So I think that, that having been said, I have started long like multi comment thread conversations with a person not often but usually if i like love 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 their story or sometimes people have asked me for feedback like constructively on theirs and if they're okay with having in the comment section that's fine um so it like it's it doesn't never happen but i think that i I don't think we should use harry potter as a good representation of your average fandom because it's absolutely not and it's kind of an aberration not it's not typical
0: yeah no i agree um, and I was wondering if in terms of specific stories, so if you're trying to build an audience for a specific story rather than for yourself, is there anything that you try to keep your audience engaged? Like, do you have any specific either promotion techniques or do you try to like use cliffhangers to get people to come back or anything like that? Or, you know, what what's your opinion on on the particular kind of promoting or building an audience for a particular story?
1: I would say don't just Don't just use cliffhangers because a cliffhanger, it's like any other writing technique. It sometimes it makes sense, but you doing it all the time, I think it starts to feel a bit repetitive. Like your pacing should not feel that repetitive, especially if there's a cliffhanger and then in the next chapter, you resolve, you resolve it within the first paragraph, then it just starts to feel a little bit cheap. So, I mean, look, I've done cliffhangers, but not on like every chapter of a story um, I would say if you're trying to build an audience for, for a specific story, you have to remember that there's certain things that tend to... Well, let's put it this way. Multi-chaptered stories almost always get more attention, but a lot of people will refuse to read a multi-chapter until it's finished. But you'll get a lot of attention because every time a new chapter comes out, you'll get some new comments. So if you're trying to drum up attention for your 2,000-word story that's a one-shot and is finished, mm-hmm. you're going to have to go... Do like engagement with readers through like commenting on other people's works or submitting it to a fest or, you know, making it for someone. Whereas if you're trying to drum up attention for a story that's multi chapter and long, then you can be posting like sneak peeks of new chapters. You can be encouraging speculation in your comments. You can be sticking to a schedule. I mean, just to be clear, you can, not me. Yeah. You- <laughs> not me, but some people can. <laughs> uh yeah i think a lot of readers like it when writers stick to a schedule and they know when a new one is coming out unless that schedule is like once every eight months yeah although some writers don't stick to a schedule and they surprise you and that almost increases the anticipation because at any moment in time you're not safe <laughs> like the net like there's this writer i really like who had the story sunset in your veins that she would update very very frequently but not necessarily on a regular schedule just frequently right and so i never felt safe from needing to check my phone for an <laughs> update because it could be any time there's no specific time of day or time of the week or frequency and so it was just it became like like gambling on the slot machine like refreshing the page over and yeah. over <laughs> But again, that only worked because she was still updating like very regularly, like often more than once in a single week.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think that's right. I think um, I think the first thing that you kind of have to be aware of, and I think that's um, you know, promoting your story kind of has its limits as well. Like I, I see a lot of people promoting stuff on Reddit and and I or or on Tumblr or whatever. I think it's. Great, I think it's fine if you do it, but I don't know if that's like, it is just one of the many ways that you can drum up up attention for a story. And it is not the only thing that will drum up attention for a story. I think for me, like the bare minimum, like you don't get to complain. (laughs) If people aren't reading your story If you're not responding to your comments Like for me that's the bare minimum You need to respond to your comments And I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this Because a lot of people are like oh, uh, well, I don't, you know, like they, I don't know, for whatever reason, they don't want to respond to their comments. Um, or they like, oh, I don't know what to say and stuff. If someone has taken the time not only to read your story, but to comment on it, and you don't respond, I find that a bit rude, to be honest. and And I think it's fine if like you don't, care about engaging with the community and you're just posting and and you know you don't really want to participate or or build an audience off the back of it like you you're just there to post and and some people will enjoy it some people not and that's fine but if you are looking to engage in the community like for the love of god just respond to your comments i don't even i personally don't ever comment on thick if i see the author doesn't respond yeah like that's that's kind of one maybe one of my hot takes uh in fan fiction is i think like the bare minimum that you can do is respond to your comments and i i don't understand people who don't to be honest people who don't and then complain that they don't get readers that's what that's what i don't understand
1: okay but can i can yeah. i can i step in here and say we're we're this is where it's gonna get juicy because i disagree with you i know um when <laughs> you we've spoken about when this you feel- before because you feel like the bare minimum a writer can do is thank the author for their comment whereas I feel like you just gave them a free product that you put so many hours into the bare minimum they can expect is that what they received from you was the gift of free entertainment it's like if I saw a busker on the street who was a really beautiful musician and I like throw money into the hat I don't I don't then get to expect that he's going to do another thing for me. Like the thing he did was put out music that like I didn't have to stop and enjoy, but I chose to, you know, like the comment is like you putting money in the hat. And like, sure, a busker will say usually say thank you. But like, but that's all you need to say though. the the thing that they gave you. okay, (laughs) but like if you're throwing money in the hat of a busker. You're, like, right over there. Eye contact has been made. It's, like, impossible to escape the thank you at that point. On the internet, I mean, firstly, you don't know how often someone is active online, necessarily. Like, if I leave a... I've left comments on stories that were posted in 2010. Like, I don't know if that person has access to the account anymore. Yeah, but that's different, you know, I don't know if they're married though. with three kids yeah. now. But, but also, like sometimes the comments i receive if i receive like a really long and beautiful comment of course i'll respond but i'll receive comments that are like nice fic bro yeah thank and you. and it's like i might respond with thank you but i'm not i don't have a whole lot more to say than that no,
0: but I, the, the, the bare minimum like what i mean by bare minimum is saying thank you like that's all the countless comments there's countless comments i get which are like nice chapter or like or, or even like I've gotten like hearts and that's it, you know, like a heart emoji and that's it, or something. And it's like, of course, I don't I'm not going to desert on the merits of my fanfiction with that person. Right. But I will say thank you, because I don't know. They took
1: the time to read my stuff. They took the time to comment. And yeah, and I took the time to spend 700 hours to write it. <laughs> so I don't owe them shit it's no, nice to say thank you but i don't owe any of these people anything <laughs> but I don't nor think- do they owe me anything
0: i don't think i owe it to them i think i owe it to them if i want to participate in the community like if you are there to just post your fic and, you know, whoever likes it, likes it, whoever doesn't, doesn't, and that's it. And you're not interested in building an audience, you're not interested in building a community, then that's fine. But I think if you are interested, if you are interested to build an audience, if you are interested in, to give a community, then you have to respond to your comments. And I think it's, it's kind of going back to the, the, to what you were going, you were talking about earlier about like being on Tumblr and posting on Tumblr and responding to annons and stuff. Like, yes, that, does help with interest and that does help with building community. And if you're not doing that, there's nothing wrong with not doing that, but you do have to understand that, like, the community might not give back to you what you wish it did.
1: Well, I think if you're looking to build your audience, then obviously you should be taking advantage of every opportunity, and replying to comments is the most important first step you can take but i think the people asking that question how do i build an audience are the people who aren't getting comments in the first place so like i don't think that's the same group of people the non-responders are not the same people who are like how do i build my audience Mm. the non-responders are the people who like dropped a masterpiece in 2014, <laughs> like dropped a single, ma- no, wrote one 750,000 word Pulitzer Prize winning masterpiece in 2014, never responded again, orphaned their story. No one knows who wrote it. It wins the Nobel Prize for <laughs> fan fiction. And everybody is like, lo- there's a story called Sleeper in the Harry Potter fan fiction that literally is there. Orphaned, no one knows who wrote it. It has eight hundred thousand comments. None of them have been replied to, or maybe they have been, but we don't know who the author is. <laughs> Masterpiece gone. No, but I think that's fair. Again, again, it really—if you want to be like, 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 what if you want your fan fictions to be like a Gatsby party, right? like Gatsby does not thank you for coming you should be thanking him (laughs) because his mansion is giving you
0: free champagne the chances of you being Gatsby though it are 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 slim like you have to accept the fact that yes there are people who drop masterpieces and just leave and then their fig blows up and you know you, you never know who wrote it or what but generally speaking you're not going like the chances are that you're not going to win a Nobel prize for fan fiction <laughs> so if you do want to grow as an author you do have to engage with people who read your stuff and I think I think it's different when you look at like things that have been written a while back in the past like of course you know if something's been written in like 2013 I don't expect the author to be in their comments responding like f- thank god but i think if you're posting if you're expect- even though
1: some of us are but
0: <laughs> yeah even if i am sometimes but i definitely <laughs> there definitely has been like over the 15 plus years that i've been writing fan fiction there's definitely been like chunks of times where i just wasn't writing and i wasn't online and i wasn't responding to my comments i think you know if you're if you're completely offline and it's been years since you've published something like people are not going to expect you to respond but if you if you're posting as you go along, if you have a long fake like, I don't know, I just I think it's nicer. I think it gives back to the community. I think I understand that a lot of people may have like specific circumstances, and if you have specific circumstances, and that's a different thing. Like if you have, you know, if you have anxiety about replying to her comments or whatever. But generally speaking, I think it's just nicer. Like I think it's just nicer to say when someone says "cool fake bro," I'm like,
1: thank you. And
0: I think I think that's just I think that's just nicer to, for the community. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, so I I agree that it's a nice thing to do. Um, I disagree with you that it's the bare minimum you could do because I think the bare minimum you could do is not write free fiction posted online i think that's the minimum that you could do so i think you've already gone above and beyond by contributing anything at all right the bare minimum you could do is be a yeah. lurker
0: yeah but then if you're not writing fanfiction, fiction then you're not trying to grow your fic because you have no fic
1: well <laughs> <laughs> but anyway <laughs> there's people who became big name fans and never wrote a single fic
0: yeah true
1: that was more of an early yeah. 2000s I don't know I don't know if people know about that anymore Yeah,
0: I don't know um but anyway I so kind of moving on from this I was wondering how, why do you think fan fiction audiences are so important because obviously like we have stuff to talk about and we both have opinions on stuff and I I wonder Like, why do we, why do you think having an audience is important? Because people struggle a lot and people who can't get people to read their work struggle a lot. Like I have friends who are always feeling a bit sad maybe because their fic isn't getting the attention that they think it deserves or whatever. And so why do you think we writers feel like it's so
1: important? I mean, I think art is communication and you want to feel like someone's listening to you, right? Like you don't want to... You don't want to feel like you're shouting into the void unless you do, which some people do. But most of us, yeah, like, and there's something so satisfying, particularly when you write a story that's very emotional and it's about like a specific feeling or experience when other people tell you that they understood what you meant and that they felt that thing that you were feeling, Mm. which is often a feeling you're unable to articulate in any way except through fiction, because sometimes it's too complicated a feeling to just say, I feel whatever. So I I think, you know, it's not, it goes beyond compliments, especially because we know that, like, not all compliments are equally important. Like, if somebody is like, good job, nice work, then, it, you know, it's not that meaningful. But, like, when people describe exactly what they believe your intentions were and those were your intentions. Like that's really meaningful because you you felt like um, you made a connection with another human being. Or when people comment on like the craft of the writing that, where they recognize the amount of time that goes into like building up that skill set. Yeah, I think
0: um, it's funny. I was listening to a podcast interview of um, Alexandre Astier, who's a French writer and director and actor as well and he he's someone who's very into like technology and stuff and so they're kind of asking him about AI and he he said he uses AI as like a tool for you know um to keep track of his meetings or whatever but he was like I don't use it for writing and the way he spoke about it I think was very true he was saying that to him as a consumer of art the point of art is that it was made by a human the point of it is that there is that human connection about a feeling and he was like regardless of how good a computer can be, I don't care about the feelings of a computer. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And I think that's a very fair point. And I always see this advice, like every time I see someone either on Reddit or on Tumblr complain about, you know, no one's reading my work or whatever, I see every time like other people being like, oh, you just need to write for yourself. And I... I think that advice, I always get very frustrated by that advice because it's incredibly difficult to write for yourself. And I don't think most people write for no audience whatsoever. Like, yes, you should write for, I think write for yourself mean that you should write if you enjoy it like if it's something that for yourself it's an activity that you enjoy but typically speaking art is connection writing is connection that's why we write we write to connect with humans and and we and that's also why we consume art and i think there's nothing wrong with wanting your work to be read and feeling bad if it isn't I do think from what I'm seeing a lot of these people who feel sad about it are often mistaken about or not understanding the concept of niche as well like I see a lot of people compare themselves to Stuff that is not really comparable. You know, if I write, like, I've written a fic that that I really love. Like, it's one of my favorite fics I've ever written. But I wrote a fic about a side character in Spooks, which is, like, a side character in a very, very tiny fandom. Yes, that fic has, like, ten kudos and it's been published for two years. But... It is successful within its niche. Like, within a very small fandom, within a very small character, it is quite successful when you compare it to to its niche. If you compare it to, I don't know, like... Uh, all the young dudes or something or like something marauders or something hb anything hb to be honest it obviously is you know not successful at all so you need to compare what is comparable as well and i think that's something that a lot of people struggle with because a lot of people want to believe that like people shouldn't necessarily have ship preferences or genre preferences that they should be more open to other ships or other genres but i think fan fiction like anything else has genres it has ships and you know if you write in a very popular ship you're gonna have more readers than if you write in a non-popular ship so I think yes these people need to see that but it's also very natural and very understandable that you struggle because art is
1: connection and you want to connect I would also point out that like there's a show called a musical t- called title show kind of obscure from 2007. It was on off Broadway, etc. And um, it's it's about the process of making art. And they have this song called Nine People's Favorite Thing. And it's about this idea of like, would you rather be nine people's favorite thing or a 100 people's ninth favorite thing? Like, do you want something that's going to be mildly appealing to everyone? Or do you want to make something that's going to be incredibly appealing to, like, three people? You know? And that's a personal choice that only Mm. you can make. And you can also, like, make that make one decision on one story and then make a different story where you've made the other decision, right? Like you're allowed to move between these choices on different stories. But the more sort of weird and niche your story is, the more unique it is, but maybe the fewer people it's going to appeal to. But maybe those people are going to be the people who are the most like your people that you're going to connect to the most, more so than your kind of Everybody likes its story.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so do you take into account the audience when you write something? Is there, you know, either in terms of you're writing something because you think it's gonna, the audience is going to like it or you know, making accommodations for your readers? Is that something that you think about?
1: How do I answer this? Okay, well, I think all art, you have to think about a hypothetical reader if you want it to be good art, because otherwise it's just you having thoughts. It's not really art until you make something that hypothetically could be consumed by another person. I think about what I think is artistically successful if a sophisticated person were to Mm. engage with my work. I don't think all that much about is this going to be the most popular thing? Because I don't think that I'm drawn to writing something that would be the most popular thing. Like I don't make accommodations to make my work appeal to everybody, but I do make accommodations Mm. to make my work accessible to people who are not literally me. So for example, like in my story, Marry Men, in order to make this story accessible for people who are not me, myself, and I... There's like a glossary of terms where I explain some of the language because I think it sometimes interrupts the flow of a story if you explain what terms mean. So instead I put an asterisk, I have footnotes on each chapter to explain what terms mean so that I can tell the story in the way that I want to, not using like watered down language that isn't the real language that would feel authentic, but I still want people to understand what those words mean, right? So I'm like making the accommodation of explaining what words mean, but there's a bigger accommodation, which I refuse to make, which is just not using that terminology and like using language that everybody would understand without a glossary, you know? Um, Sometimes I think if the pace is too slow to appeal to anyone, and then I'll, I'll make cuts and speed a scene up. But do I make accommodations to be super popular? Only in the sense that maybe sometimes I'll be like, like the story ready today, but I'm not going to post it today because I know today is not a day that people are going to be on AO3 or like maybe it's a better time of day to post at a different time or I try to post on the weekend. But otherwise, I don't make a whole lot of accommodations. Like and, and people have asked me, do you take requests? And I've said no, because I, I don't I don't think I could write something on request if it didn't like even though obviously if I wrote something on request, I would have at least one like guaranteed reader, you know, the person who asked for it. Mm.
0: I have written I have written on requests before um but they were like anonymous requests <laughs> So, so I don't know, but um, but I have in the past, and I find it an interesting exercise. Like, because sometimes I, malicious compliance is kind of interesting as well. Like, if someone gives you a prompt and you can tell what they want, and you turn it into something else, I find it an interesting writing exercise. But I don't do it for popularity. Like, I wouldn't. I've never done even. I remember in when I was writing for The Good Wife, there was this whole. I don't know if you were on Tumblr back then, but the there was this format that was really popular that was a free sentence stories so it was like basically you had to do like you had to tell a story in three sentences and it was I found it really helpful it taught me a lot in terms of like using punctuation and stuff to pace my sentences but um but I got a lot of prompts for those and I would respond to them and it was just like a fun sort of writing exercise so I think that's the way I take prompts but again like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be something that i would do specifically for popularity although i do think it helps i've seen a lot of writers take a lot of prompts and you know if you respond to them on tumblr then people reblog it and and people get a lot of success that way so i think that's something that you might want to look into um i think it's interesting you were mentioning that like sometimes you don't post at certain times or on certain week on on like certain days and whatever because that's not something that i look into at all although the people who do read my work will know that i tend to post in the middle of the night my time um Because I'm just, that's just when I finish and then I post.
1: Well, you know, what I've seen is that a lot of people, people have basically two times when they read fan fiction. They read on the weekend and they read at work on their lunch break or at school on their lunch break. Overwhelmingly, when I've talked to people and I've asked them, like, when do you read fan fiction? Other than people who have, like, sneaky computer desk jobs where they're reading it all day. Like, other than those... (laughs) And I see you people that I've spoken to. Other than those people, a lot of people say they read it on their lunch break. Interesting. Or of course, you know, they have to have free time. I try to post what I in what I call like transatlantically at a time when both like Western and Eastern hemisphere people would be likely to be awake. So sometimes around like, mm. like first thing in the morning, um, when it's lunchtime for Europeans. Or it could be like lunchtime for me, and like dinner time evening for Europeans. basically and sorry, Australians, I just I can't accommodate yeah. you.
0: <laughs> I can't do the but math. whatever,
1: there's no. Na- you can get up in the middle of the night if you want to read my work. It's fine. So yeah, I th- I think about that. I do think I don't have stats. I do believe that there are better and worse times to post. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, the time of day that you post is the least important factor yeah. compared to you know building an audience and like. engaging with your readers and like engaging with people who write similar work to you like that's more important yeah
0: no and i think i think there's definitely season (coughs) seasonal phenomenons as well like i've noticed people love christmas yeah but also i've noticed that towards the end of the year my fix get i get less comments and less readers and i think it's just because people are very busy preparing for you know they're busy with work because in a lot of corporate settings like you you get a lot more work in the in the um at the end of the year because you have to wrap up the year and wrap up the quarter or um for you know like people are also kind of you know there's the holidays for americans then there's thanksgiving as well and then there's people you know having to deal with their families and stuff so i've noticed like like november and december are not particularly good times to post generally speaking um but yeah i i think look I don't really make accommodations either in the way that I don't, I mean, same thing if, you know, if I use a term that I know is not going to be known by a lot of people, like when I wrote the Fulton Fultz Manufacturing, there was an Irish lexicon, um, Irish English lexicon kind of attached to it. So I do kind of make those accommodations a little bit. I don't really consider popularity as a factor. Like I'm not writing a story thinking oh this is going to do well or this is going to be popular first of all because I'm quite bad at predicting what is or isn't going to be popular but but also I have to say that it's it's a bit rich of me to say that and to say that I don't write, I don't try and write things that are popular or that I don't, you know, look at popularity because I'm, again, someone who's never struggled. Like, I was 13 writing, like, the shittiest fic that you can ever imagine and I still had people reading it. I've always been rather successful in my niches and that's something that I need to be, I'm incredibly grateful for and I'm, very conscious of and so it's kind of easy for me to be like oh don't worry about popularity like just write whatever you want because it so happens to be that what I want to write is like tends to do well
1: I, I, I would also I would also say like people don't you can't write what people want because people don't know what they want until they find it so if you're writing a wildly creative original story the whole point is that people love it because they couldn't have thought of it themselves and that means you have to think of somebody something that nobody asked for right so think of it that way if you're writing something that people have asked for that means they thought of it first which means it's not going to be one of those oh my god I could never have imagined this stories
0: I, I'm always surprised as well by the things that do when the things that do not um so I think you also have to keep in mind the fact that <laughs> it's kind of it's sometimes a bit hard to predict but of course like you know there's stuff that you can there's stuff that is quantifiable like you know if you write in a very popular ship you can see that it's a very popular ship or things like that um and that might like kind of draw you in and and uh, make you want to write that because it's popular but yeah I think I think I can say that all I want but also also i'm I'm acknowledging the fact that it's kind of easy for me to say, "Oh, don't care about popularity because I've always been i, I I've never struggled with that. um do you I think <laughs> I put in this question because I thought you'd have a lot to say, but do you think there's anything that has changed in like the culture
1: of fandom
0: in the past ten or fifteen years in terms of engagement with audiences?
1: I think that in the past like five to seven years, there's been this huge shift towards video where people are doing like video reviews on TikTok or other platforms that I'm too old to be using, probably Snapchat, I've never been on it, where like people, like there's so much video now, people are making recommendation videos, people are talking about fan fictions on video, and like that never used to exist. Um, And I think just in general, like the the media ha- have changed for sure. Like it used to yeah. be really just a text-based thing and then there was a while in the 2000s where like having like chapter heading art or whatever was really popular but now like even that mm-hmm. has sort of become subservient to video so I would say that like, you know, it's it's different demographics, right? Like the TikTok crowd is probably younger, probably not going to be as interested in the sort of thing that I write if you're very, but just just note that the, probably using multiple multimedia, like images, video, and so forth can get you a whole new audience. But you might also want to consider like the age of that audience, and whether that's the right audience for your story. Um, yeah, I think people, people are less embarrassed about it, too. Like it used to be like you had to keep it a secret. And now it's like less embarrassing, you know? Yeah,
0: which I think is cool. Like, I think we, we've talked about it before. And I'm very happy that, you know, even though I'm not there yet, I'm very happy that a lot of people are more kind of open about talking about fanfic in with their face you know, attached to those recommendations and and doing videos on TikTok and stuff. Have you ever been aware of like your fakes being mentioned
1: on TikTok? No, because I don't know like how you would find that stuff. I mean, with video, it's so hard to like, you can't like search videos for keywords or whatever, unless people tag things, which a lot of the time they don't. So I don't know how I would find it other mm. than randomly stumbling across it. I mean, to my amount, like nobody's told me about it being recommended there. I've seen my stories recommended on like other websites that are more for people my age but I've never I've never found out anyone wrecked me on like TikTok but I know it's a thing that happens to lots of stories yeah
0: I I have had I've had it a couple of times um and I found it through I think yeah I found it through the algorithm because I I am on like Harry Potter TikTok so these things just kind of come at me and it's such a strange and wonderful feeling to have like suddenly a video of someone talking about your fake and I remember like my heart was like hammering the first time it happened because I was like oh my god there's like a real person who's like talking about my fake so that was the best feeling ever but uh but yeah but funnily enough like the people who were doing those recommendations on TikTok were my age around my age like they looked in like their late 20s early 30s there there are people who are older on tiktok as well um and yeah so i think i think for me the the thing that i've kind of noticed and you you definitely see that in you know we we kind of have touched on it at the top of the show but the sort of influencerization of fanfic i i think it's something that like was probably the case in bigger fandoms like potter anyway but i'm seeing kind of touch other smaller fandoms now where fanfic writers are almost considered to be content creators and they're kind of talking about their fixes like content and interacting with the audience as though they were creating content and and the audience kind of expects that as well like you know people expecting schedules people expecting um and we're gonna come to that in a minute expecting you to take criticism and say nothing like all that stuff and I think I think it was probably always the case in big fandoms like Potter where you had like big name fans and all that stuff but I think it's kind of permeating even smaller fandoms now I'm definitely seeing it in like Peaky Blinders and I'm definitely seeing it in other fandoms of this sort of idea that you know fanfic writers are kind of Almost, not really influencers, but almost influencers, and kind of, I've noticed this as well. And I've noticed this in, in my Annans even, like people going, coming to them with like questions about their lives, like not question about their fakes, but like, how do you deal with X or whatever? And I find it's that. It's a
1: parasocial, like everything is parasocial now. Everybody yeah. thinks they know everyone that they've never met. And I
0: think it's, I think it's a very interesting phenomenon um i definitely think it's always been the case like to a certain extent because i think that's kind of the nature of the internet but i i do i am seeing it more in the past few years i think and especially since i came back into fandom in 2020
1: yeah i i mean i think anyone who's trying to get attention on the internet in some ways as an artist or as a troll you know or as whatever they are, as a business person, in some ways, you all have to become influencers. Because again, what you're doing is marketing and marketing techniques that work are techniques that work. And then you kind of see them naturally through sort of natural selection, the techniques that are most effective spread. And then that's why You kind of hear fanfic writers starting to sound like YouTubers who sound like Instagram fitness influencers who sound like knitting influencers who sound like, you know, like even, you know, people who are like right wing trolls (laughs) will still learn how to use clickbait headlines in the same way. As like people who want to sell you diet pills, and in the same way as people who want to get attention to their posts on Tumblr, like these techniques tend to like spread and generalize. And I mean, like again, it's up to you, like to what extent you want to be part of that. Mm. And so I think the last thing that I wanted to talk
0: about and i will I will try and not talk too much because I have a lot of opinions about this um is the topic of criticism and to a certain extent hate as well, but criticism first what what do you think about like readers leaving critical comments? under fan fiction and first of all like what do you think is because i think a lot of people are like oh but there's constructive criticism and there's non-constructive criticism like what what are your general opinions on this
1: i have like one piece of advice for readers that authors should close their ears when they hear and then i have a different piece of advice for authors that readers should close their ear when they hear, okay? So I think this piece is for readers and like authors, close your ears because I don't want you to hear this. You don't know these people, you don't know how old they are or what mental health they're in or what family stuff is going on in their life or how many years of experience they have so like again you don't know these people and nobody made you the authority and they did not explicitly ask for your criticism so like you're allowed to not like stuff and there's something called clicking the x button or clicking the back button or clicking file new tab i mean there's so many ways these days on some computers you can like swipe in a a specific way to get to another frame like nobody (sighs) taped your eyeballs open and forced you to read this with a gun to your head Okay, that's my, that's my advice to readers is stop and consider that you don't actually know who the person mm-hmm. was that wrote this and like why they made the mistakes they made or, or why they did it in a certain way that you didn't like. And also nobody forced you to read it. Okay, now th- I'm done with readers now. Readers, please close your ears because I don't want you to hear what I have to say to writers, okay? Writers, you're on the internet. You don't know who these people are that are reading your work. And yes, making being an artist means making yourself vulnerable and putting your art out there in any way always means you could potentially be embarrassing yourself by posting cringeworthy stuff. You can't be an artist and live the rest of your life in fear of criticism or of being cringe or of embarrassing yourself. Okay, so like either you want to be an artist or you don't. But if you're going to be an artist, you're going to have to get used to the fact that some people are going to give you criticism. And even more horribly enough, some people who give you rude criticism are also right sometimes the meanest teachers are the ones that you learn the most from sometimes the teachers that were total asshole to you are the ones who five years later you're like oh well she was kind of right about that one thing so i mean number one i'm sorry but you're on the internet be a big kid like if you aren't ready to be on the internet and be hearing stuff from mentally ill strangers you're not ready to be on the internet and also like you can delete a comment if you don't like it but you need to develop a certain amount of toughness because like if you want to be an artist, like people are gonna receive your work and then they're gonna have thoughts about it that weren't sanctioned by you. Okay, that's over readers, you can uncover your ears now.
0: I I think I agree with the reader's part. I agree with the author part with the caveat that I think it's different when you're writing funfic. I think there's a very different dynamic because I think uh, the thing about like having to, you know, being on the Internet and having to withstand criticism and having to be the big guy and stuff and and kind of, you know, learning to tolerate criticism on your art. I agree that this is an important skill, but I also think that like it's a skill that you should develop if you if your goal is to either be a professional artist or you know someone who takes this seriously or you know something that does someone that does original work I think there's a very real difference between authors of fanfic complaining about criticism in their comments and authors of original fiction complaining about reviews on Goodreads. Reviews on Goodreads it's like you you are proactively as the writer taking the step To go on Goodreads and read your reviews, if you cannot deal with the criticism that is in there, when that forum is specifically made for readers to talk to readers, that's a problem. If you're not able to face that, you shouldn't be checking that and you shouldn't be reading that. However, when fanfic with fanfic is very different because you're not being paid to do this. So I'm not being paid as a writer. I'm not being paid to deal with people's stupid reviews and i think that would change my that would definitely change my perspective if i was if i was doing this as like part of you know reviews on original work and secondly i think also with fanfic like the comments that you get are directly going into the author's inbox they're directly meant for the author and Sure, you can like disactivate your notifications and I personally have, but generally speaking, they're comments, they're not reviews. And I think there's a very real difference with that. So I think saying to writers that, oh, they need to just deal with the fact that they're publishing and work on the internet is not necessarily accurate because again, it's a little bit of a different thing. They're doing it for free. They're there. They're kind. They're putting work out there for you and these people are shitting on it and I think I think that's just rude. Like it's one of the things that gets me riled up the most.
1: It Okay, but Joe, it it might be I'm not saying it isn't rude. I'm saying that who is going to protect you from the reality that when you go online, there are strangers who don't know you and many of them, the ones who do these things, have mental issues going on, they have mental health issues, or they're very young, or there's something going on in their life, or you're just misreading their tone, or they're misreading their tone, and like, I'm saying... Or are they just, they're just dickheads as well, like... For your own mental health, I am telling you that you need to be anti-fragile, not because what other people do isn't wrong, but because it is inevitable, and I want you to be ready for it to happen. It shouldn't happen, but it is... Guaranteed to happen. So you have to be ready for it. That's what I'm saying. Oh
0: yeah. I think I think you have to be ready for it. I just don't think you have to tolerate it.
1: But I mean every <laughs> and you have a delete button. You can delete comments you, you don't yeah, like.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of people do that. I personally reply because I think I prefer to reply, but a lot of people delete those comments, a lot of people just ignore them, like many people have different ways to deal with these and I think I think you should be prepared for the fact that they exist, but I also think they shouldn't exist. I understand certain people might have like a mental health issue and stuff that makes them, you know, obviously post this and I'm really sorry that they do. But at the same time, I have encountered comments from people who did not exhibit mental health issues and are just trying to be mean. And I think that is... Not necessarily the majority, of course, but it is a sizable chunk. And a lot of people who are just entitled and think that sharing their, you know, great opinion about somebody else's fic is the most important thing that they can do with their time. And I think I do want to leave the fact, like leave open the fact that some people are able to leave constructive criticism and i think that's a great gift i just think it's few and far between and personally i have encountered it and i have received criticism that i thought was genuine and useful but it was it's kind of the 1% and i think if you're if you're a reader and you're typing you're typing your little review and you're about to hit send ask yourself if you're in the top 1% of humans and and try and come to a reasonable conclusion that like do you think your your opinion is that important and who do you think you are to leave that kind of comment on someone who wrote a fic for you for free that's just kind of what I think I also think that like yes authors generally should build a thicker skin and should you know not get hurt by reviews and and not take them personally but i think it's very easy to say that and for a lot of people it's hard to do that and i don't think fan fiction is a place where you should be exposed to that kind of thing. Like, especially if it's your hobby and especially if you're doing it for free. Personally, I just don't think, I I just don't think that's right. And that's why I respond to those comments, especially the rude ones, because I don't think that behavior should go unchecked.
1: Can I, can I make a suggestion though? Because I received hate on the internet, on fan fiction, as well as on other stuff. You know, sometimes anonymously, sometimes not anonymously. And I do not agree about responding because people who are trying to be gratuitously mean, what they want from you is a reaction. They want to know that they got under your skin. They want to know that you read their comment and you were hurt by it. And if you, even though you may think you have the wittiest, most clever clapback that everybody is going to be laughing, you have like a Winston Churchill, like, you know, you're hideous and I'll be sober in the morning level clapback, you're still giving them attention and you're validating their expectation that you read their comment. Whereas if you receive their comment and never reply to it or respond or condemn it in any way, they're left with the impression that they yelled into the void and nobody heard them, which is not giving them the reaction that they wanted, which was your attention. So I believe the worst punishment you can do to a person who leaves a nasty comment is not even acknowledging that it ever happened and in no way arguing with it or leaving them, you know, a clap back or something because I want them to believe that I didn't even see it. And that's the worst thing in the world because what they wanted more than anything was a reaction. So I don't think it's a good idea to give nasty people reaction because that it's like you're feeding the trolls you're providing narcissistic supply like you need to cut off the narcissistic supply and they'll leave you alone because you aren't giving them what they want
0: i think that that, that's a debate for another episode and, and honestly for a conversation that goes beyond fan fiction i uh Disagree with that? I have my <laughs> reasons. I think this behavior is allowed to perpetuate because no one responds and because the general advice is to not respond and, and take the high road and and not engage with these people. And I think the issue is that you would probably respond to this if it happened in real life, but because it's the internet, we let people just spew hate and that's beyond fan fiction. Like that's not There's a difference as well between just like hate and critical comments. Critical comments is like, it's not nice, but it's fine. And there's hate, there's insults and stuff, which are not fine. But I think to both of these, if it's a behavior that you wish didn't exist on the internet... I don't want to send preachy and I don't want to make people, you know, feel bad if they don't feel like engaging. And I don't want to, you know, sound like, you know, you absolutely need to respond. Like that's not, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is I personally respond because it's the kind of behavior that I don't think should be tolerated. And because I think There is also a fact on the internet that women are more targeted than men by that kind of hate. And it's another way to just silence women who get hate by saying, oh, just ignore it, just don't respond to it. Because the hate is still in their inbox and you're still receiving the hate. What you're actually doing is like sparing other people from seeing that hate and responding to it publicly. And I personally don't think... That's right. I understand the argument. I think, you know, this conversation can go on forever. I understand the argument of people who say, oh, you're just giving it attention. The argument, I've listened to it. I have heard it, uh, but I disagree with it. And that's just, I think, but I think ultimately speaking, the kind of response that you can give as a fanfic writers, as a fanfic writer to criticism or to hate is your own. Like do whatever you feel is best and do whatever suits you best but also uh, and and suits your mental health as well cuz you know responding to it or, or seeing it can be quite a mental toll um so if you feel like just deleting just just delete it but i do want to present the counter argument and for me personally i think it's important as someone who can engage and as someone who doesn't mind conflict and as someone who doesn't mind engaging with these people and calling them out on their behavior i personally think it's important that i do
1: i think that is like again a conversation that could go on forever and ever i mean i actually i had a really twitter conversation with my dad in real life this morning it was i almost burst out laughing because I ha- the kind of engagement that usually happens on Twitter happened in real life. So he had bought this vase of um purple and orange tulips. And I said, I really like that color combination. And he replied, oh, so you hate pastels? And I was like, are, are we on Twitter right now? Like that... That was such a perfect example of an internet interaction. And you just did it in real life. I was like, that is so amazing that that happened in real life. That was like every every internet interaction that's ever happened when a person... Pleasantly says that they like something.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyway, we're going to wrap up. So do you have any recommendations this week?
1: I just finished the book Girl A by Abigail Eden, which I really enjoyed. And even though it's a crime thriller, thriller, I think it turned out to have some like literary merit as a well-written book as well. Uh, so I'm going to recommend Girl A by Abigail Eden. Great. And I'm going to
0: recommend uh, for Me Once on Netflix. Um, I... Devoured. It's a mini series that's set in the UK. I devoured it and it's written. It's on the basis of a um, Harlan Coben novel, which I used to read a lot of his novels and I really like him. And he's got such a distinctive style for what is basically an airport novel, but for some reason, he's got a very distinct vibe. Um, And I really like him as an author, and the series is very good, so you should watch it.
1: Oh, can I make another recommendation as well? Yes. Uh, Two more Netflix recommendations. Uh, Number one is the film Society of the Snow, which is based on the 1972 plane crash in the Andes, um, I was really excited for that because I read the book that it's based on, um, and the other show that I really enjoyed was the, the. I think it's a it's a British show called Bodies on Netflix. It's like a sci-fi that I really enjoyed. Ooh, did you like that? Because I, I did like it. <laughs>
0: I liked the first half and then I felt like it kind of went off the track. You know, I like I liked
1: some of the timelines more than others. Yeah, me too.
0: But yeah, you, you, you should watch it and let us know what you think. <laughs> um, okay. Lani, where can we find you on nine?
1: I'm main at copper underscore, underscore dust on AO3 and on Tumblr. And I am pebbly sen on AO3
0: and Tumblr. If you want to, find the podcast if you have any feedback suggestions or topic uh, suggestions for topics for next episodes our ask box is open you can find us on tumblr at the fanficwriterscraft.tumblr.com and if you want to help finance the podcast uh, you can head to co-v forward slash the fanfic writers craft uh, any donations will help us pay for our hosting fees thank you bye bye